0: Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. Before I get to the topic of this episode of the podcast, I want to call your attention to my website, robdobberson.com, and to the blog that I have there. I post a lot of sermons and writings, some new material, some old material, which I want people to read, and occasionally comments on issues of the day and uh, some also some thoughts on nostalgia i'm very nostalgic about the 1960s and 70s growing up and i put a lot of that material there but the reason i'm calling your attention to it today is because i would like you to look at the latest blog posting which is entitled searching for other paths it's a topic that fascinates me and i was able to deliver a sermon based on that topic on Shabbat Shuva between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur here in Ann Arbor at Beth Israel Congregation. It was a topic I had intended to cover on a podcast episode, but I thought it would work better given as a sermon and in print. I, I hope that you'll take a look at it. I find it to be a fascinating subject, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But now let's get to the topic for today, which is the holiday of Sukkot. The holiday of Sukkot begins this coming Monday evening, very, very soon after Yom Kippur. In fact, there is a tradition that the first thing one should do after Yom Kippur ends is begin to build their sukkah. Uh, A lot of us either start to build a sukkah a little bit before that, or give ourselves a day or so of rest before, uh, before tackling the job of building the sukkah, and this year, Thankfully, there's a, a Sunday between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, which is a good, a good day to, uh, to, to build a sukkah, to, if you haven't done it already. So I'm not so uh, excited about that tradition of running out from the synagogue on Yom Kippur to build a sukkah, but it is important to note that the holiday comes right after Yom Kippur, only a few days. Let's talk about first the context of the holiday, and then I want to share one thought on it from the traditional text. I talked in the last episode of the podcast about the three festivals, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot, according to the Book of Deuteronomy and later Jewish tradition, the pilgrimage festivals. These apparently began as agricultural festivals. It seems that that's the the source of the the traditions. Pesach being the uh, time of the first harvest of winter crop, Then you have Shavuot, the first fruit harvest, and Sukkot, the final harvest. Of course, if you're not living in an agricultural setting, as most of us are not, we focus more on the historical elements of the holiday. Pesach, of course, is the exodus from Egypt, Shavuot, the giving of the Torah, and Sukkot, a reminder of God's protection of the people during the exodus, during the the journey from Egypt to Canaan. These holidays are fascinating in their tradition. And uh, again, we focus more on the historical elements, but we bring the agricultural elements into them in various ways. There are agricultural symbols at the Pesach Seder, we're accustomed to celebrating Shavuot by eating dairy foods, which has some connection with, with the sense of agriculture. And many people bring flowers and plants into the synagogue, again, to remind ourselves of the agricultural roots of the holiday. And, of course, people decorate their sukkah with fruits of the season at many times uh, in many places in, in a, as a way of celebrating the harvest, knowing full well that if we're celebrating the way that God protected our people, our ancestors, in the desert during the journeys through some kind of a hut symbolizing that, we certainly understand that the people in those days in the desert didn't decorate their huts with fruit. But we bring back that agricultural element of the holiday into our observance. Now, the holidays have many names. Their Pesach is called Chag Ha'aviv, the festival of spring. Shavuot, Chag HaBikurim, the festival of the first fruits. Sukkot, Chag HaAsif, the festival of the harvest. But there's another name that seems to, to connect more with the historical elements of each of the holidays. Pesach, Zaman Cherutenu, the time of our freedom, the season of our freedom. Shavuot, Zaman Matan toratenu the season of the giving of the Torah. And I spoke about that back a few months ago with Shavuot, how our rabbis uh, overlaid the tradition of this being the anniversary of the giving of the Torah to the holiday of the first fruits, namely Shavuot. So Shavuot became Zaman Matan Tenu, the time of the giving of the Torah. Sukkot's name is interesting. Sukkot's name is Zaman Simchatenu, the season of our joy. How did it get to be called Zaman Simchatenu? Well, to some extent, one could think of the harvest time as a time of joy, as a time of thanksgiving, as a time of celebration. But I think that the specific name Zaman Simchatenu comes from the fact that in at least three places in the Torah, the word for joy, simcha, sameach, is found in connection with the holiday of Sukkot. In the book of Leviticus we read that on this holiday one should take the symbols of the holiday the lulav the palm branch the etrog the the citron and the hadas and the arava the myrtle and the willow which we bind together the three of the three the uh, the lulav the the palm branch the willow and the myrtle into one bundle and then hold the etrog the citron along with it and it says in the Torah v'samachta you should take these and you should celebrate before the Lord your God. This is usually done now in our tradition by holding them and by waving the lulav and the etrog in different directions to indicate our, our celebration of God's presence throughout the world. But in addition to that, we read in the book of Deuteronomy, "Vesamachta v'chagecha, you should be happy in your festival. And the word chagecha is in the singular, the 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 singular referring to one festival and that's why it it re, and it refers only to sukkot not that we shouldn't be happy on the others but it's a specific statement regarding sukkot and then it says V'hayita you should only be happy so we see that sukkot is symbolized with a sense of simcha a sense of joy a sense of happiness according to the rabbis sukkot was hachag or hechag, the festival. If there's no qualification as to which festival is being discussed, it refers to Sukkot. It was considered to be the ultimate festival, the the, the highest of the three in the sense of joy and celebration. So how do we celebrate on Sukkot? Well, according to the Mishnah, the earliest real code of Jewish law following the Torah, taking back 2000 years, the Mishnah talks about the fact that a person should make their sukkah, their hut, so to speak, their their temporary dwelling, in fact, their permanent dwelling, all over the holiday of Sukkot. They should live, they should eat there, they should read there, they should sleep there, they should bring all of the decorative elements of the house, all of the finest things within your home, out to the sukkah, so that it becomes your permanent place of residence. Now, For many of us, this is an impossibility, it's unwise, it's impractical. And I think that one of the reasons that it's impractical has to do with weather. Now, we live in Michigan. I know people are listening to this in any number of places, but in Michigan, the weather at Sukkot can be a little bit uh, iffy, a little bit tentative. Let's look at Israel for a moment. Now, Sukkot can come as any of the holidays can, any time over a period of about five weeks relative to the solar year. It happens this year. Sukkot is rather early. In fact, it's very early relative to the solar year. But even when it comes later, in Israel it usually falls before the first rains fall, or at least the first significant rains fall. So you can be pretty sure that if you build a sukkah in Israel, you're going to have a sense of at least a dry, comfortable place to be. It's not going to get too cold. It's probably not going to get too hot, although even if it does, you have the shade of the sukkah to protect you. And in all likelihood, it's not going to rain. But the Mishnah brings up an interesting question. When can you leave the sukkah and go into your house when can you abandon this newly, quote, permanent dwelling to go back to your real permanent dwelling inside your house? And the Mishnah answers with a fascinating statement. It says, which translates, loosely translated, in fact, it's almost a literal translation, when the food gets ruined, when the soup gets diluted, when it rains so much, that your food is no longer edible or is no longer what you enjoy you can pick up and go inside it's a fascinating statement first of all it's so pragmatic and practical but what the mishnah says about it is not something that i would necessarily endorse in my particular way of theology but it's important to mention the reason it says you can do that is it's as if a servant brought a glass of wine to the master and the master poured the wine over the servant's head in essence. In other words, we come to God with this great celebration and God pours water on our heads. So they gave it like a theological statement. They're saying it's a way of that your sukkah is being rejected. I'm gonna leave that on entirely. And instead look at that line, Zaman Simchatenu, the time of our joy. The point about this teaching, and the point about it for us, is we can love to be in the sukkah, and we should. Being in the sukkah is a wonderful experience. It's the kids love it, people love it. If the and you, you sit there, you celebrate with friends. Of course, uh, we're still dealing with COVID, so that obviously has some issues. But it it just is a wonderful time to celebrate, to be out in nature, to look up at the stars that you are supposed to see. Uh, through the schach, through the covering of the sukkah, to be out in nature, to recognize the at this time of year the beauty of the world <clears throat> and enjoy all of the blessings and the bounties of good food and, and good times and good friends. But it's important to remember Zaman Simchatenu. It's the time of our joy. I've been to a few sukkot meals over the years where it was so cold or so wet that nobody was enjoying themselves. And it seemed to be a forced kind of enjoyment. Oh, we're in the sukkah; we have to be happy. Our tradition tells us you should leave the sukkah if it's not comfortable. If it's not a comfortable situation, you go inside because you're supposed to enjoy being there. Now, everybody's threshold for what's happiness is something is, and what makes you comfortable and what makes you happy would be a little bit different. But everybody has their threshold. And it's important to remember over Sukkot, as much as we love the Sukkah and as much as we want to do as much as we can out there, if you're miserable, it's not worth it. It's better to be inside because this is a man the time of your joy and you should be happy. I love that teaching and it does bring up an idea in general that I'll just share with you and have you think about. I'm not talking about the obligations in our lives with this. We have obligations that we have to do whether we enjoy them or not at any particular moment. And that's, that, that's obviously true. But in the discretionary parts of our life, what happens when something that always brought us joy suddenly becomes more of a burden? How do we deal with that? I'll give you one example. I've referred to it before. I love to write. And I love to write sermons. I love to write articles. But I found when I retired from the the active pulpit that I needed some time to step away. I wasn't enjoying the writing. It didn't bring me pleasure. It seemed more of a burden. And so I took a break from it for a while. I started the podcast. I did some other things. And now I'm feeling that it's time to get back to the writing. And I'm I'm starting to enjoy it more again. And I'm glad that I took a little bit of a break because it gave me the opportunity to step away, to take a deep breath, and to start doing something again that I enjoy. And I think for many of us, we've had this experience. Again, I'm talking about discretionary things, hobbies, interests, where you suddenly lose a little interest in them and you you feel like you want to push through because after all, this is what I do and it's not bringing you joy. I think we need to be willing to step away from it for a while. Take a step back, take a deep breath, and then see if we can regain the joy that that uh, pastime or that avocation or that hobby brought us. And I think we often find that it does. So that's a little of us aside. Think about it, talk about it, uh, and, and consider how it applies to your life. But go back to Sukkot for a minute and realize, Zaman Simchatenu, the time of our joy, If you have the opportunity to build a sukkah, it's wonderful. If you have the opportunity to spend time in a sukkah, it's wonderful. If you're invited to a sukkah, or you go to the sukkah in your synagogue, it's wonderful. But keep in mind the fact that it is the man simchatenu, the time of our joy. And as much as it's a commandment, a mitzvah, to dwell in the sukkah over the holiday of Sukkot, our rabbis taught that only applies as long as the food doesn't get ruined and as long as we're not so uncomfortable that we lose the joy of the holiday. Chag Sameach, a happy, meaningful, enjoyable Sukkot, and I wish you a Sukkot of good weather and no rain. Until next time, thank you.